hi <laughs> chulu i've decided to record this and i'm not going to record in your personal dm i'm going to record it here so of course i've been doing out of to listening to your podcast i've been feeling like I've, i i haven't been catching up and then i listened to this because i saw it on my email and trust me, I just got done listening to it right now. And I'm in tears. I think we have spoken. And sometimes as women, we put a lot of loads and expectations on ourselves. I, I don't want to cry. Okay. And... I needed this. I've listened to it and it made me shed a tear. And it's because I've been feeling exhausted. Being a single parent, trying to juggle life, trying to juggle work. I feel like everything is failing. You're not giving your best. Wow really thank you for this and i'm putting it here because i know all of us as women we do that a lot and the society has made us you know what even if men don't step up we are going to step up but it's just not fair taking all that load and being like i'm okay i'm not okay so today i'm saying it i am not okay let's talk about single mama power Hello beautiful, you are listening to episode 108 of the Africana Woman Podcast. My name is Chulu, your host. I am a storyteller by design, commander of words, wellness entrepreneur, and coach. Sis, are you new here? Aww, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Listen, I'm one of those people that dances a lot in our head, but when you see their body, it's not moving the same, but I am super excited that you are here. Why? Where have you been? We have been waiting for you. Yeah, you. You have officially joined that family you never knew you needed. You are about to have those conversations you never knew people had. I am so excited for you. Click the subscribe button and when this episode finishes, head over to AfricanaWoman.com to check out all of the resources that we have for you. Hey, honey. So good to see you back here. At the top, you heard my Kenyan sister, Julia, and she was responding to episode 107 called The Super Mom Trap. First of all, Julia, I love you so, so much. Your ability to unabashedly be vulnerable in public is liberating for so many people. You are such an inspiration. Thank you for giving us the permission to admit I am not okay. I know that you heard that with your soul. So just park that thought, that feeling for a minute 
I am going to come back to it. Happy March, everybody. It is the month of celebrating women, and of course, I'm all about that life. February has been a... I don't even know what I'm saying has. February was a powerful month for me on a personal level because I had a pivotal mindset shift that made me make bold decisions about where I would like my life to go this 2023. Once I made that decision, I was under attack. My physical health was attacked. My Physical space was attacked. We experienced a burglary. My emotions were attacked. It has been hard, y'all. Hard. But here is how I know that I have grown and I am in a growth season. I did not crumble. The last time I got burgled, I locked myself in the house and had a mental breakdown. No lies. This time around, I immediately reached out to my inner circle because I chose not to go through these hardships alone. But more importantly, I know that when you declare that you are no longer tolerating mediocrity in your life, when you disrupt the cycle of generational curses, when you dare to dream something different, you will be tested. You might even call it resistance. It is in that moment that you should decide to dig your feet even deeper into the ground as you stand up for what you believe in. It is not the time to give up. I know that when I came up against this resistance in February, I knew, I immediately knew that I'm on the right path. And there is something amazing waiting for me on the other side. One of the many wins that I am celebrating from February is welcoming so many new members to the Africana Woman Visionaries. So exciting! <laughs> if you could see my smile, it makes me so happy when women become intentional about designing a life that they love by choosing to be in the company of fellow women who are vibrating at that same high level. It is so beautiful. Which is why I am excited that our next guest that you are going to listen to in just a minute is a member of Africana Women Visionaries. And I can get to show you the caliber of women in our community. Truth be told, this conversation is actually centered on two stories. The triumphant single mom and postpartum depression. For this episode, I have chosen to focus on the story of the triumphant single mom. One, as a gift to Julia, and two, as a single mother myself, this topic hits very close to home. As you know, this podcast is meant to be 30 minutes, but I felt that there were important things we all need to hear. So it is a little bit longer than usual. I promise it is worth your while. Please. 
Ngombo, aka the Afro Doula, is a Zambian-born woman, a mother, a daughter, a sister, and a wife. She loves wild swimming, adventure, sisterhood, preparing, and eating delicious food. Listen, her food is gorgeous. <laughs> Margarita cocktails, creativity raving in the house and feeling alive. She is a multifaceted, iridescent being with so many layers and many gifts to share. Ngombo was called to become a doula back in 2019 as she was healing from two long years of postpartum depression. She knew then that in order for her to thrive, the most important thing was to keep a remembrance activated within herself around how incredibly important, powerful, and sacred the caring, birthing, nourishing, and nurturing of new life truly is. Ngombo also knew then that the darkness she had been through could be alchemized into something magical. And so she made it her business to help reignite this flame of remembrance in other moms who were finding motherhood difficult. I am so excited to have a combo. Please welcome her to the Africana woman, Mike. Hi, darling. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> so Ngombo and I met um, through Africana Women Visionaries. Um, mm-hmm. She is one of our lovely members, and I think like from the time she just joined, like we've just clicked, <laughs> have great conversations, and yeah. So you know, we had we were talking, and I was like, "You have to come on the podcast." I think the audience needs to know about what you do and he just learn more about you okay so let's start from here what was your journey in um having your first child because i know you got two right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i have two children um but they're not from the same father so my journey to having my first child was definitely not a picture perfect situation um, it was quite traumatic, but it was also very affirming for me. So what happened was I had met the biological um, father of, of my first child, my son, Salu. Um, and at the time, I was definitely in, you know, I was like 26 around there. And I, you know, I moved out of my family home when I was 17. So back to how I entered into motherhood, um, the, the father, the biological father of my, of my son, Salu, I met him during this time when I'd moved out. And, you know, so I was quite free in the sense that I didn't have like a house to take care of. I didn't have like major bills or anything. He lived in London. I lived in rugby. So that's, that's, like just over a hundred miles away, but you could get a train. It's like an hour. And so, yeah, we met and it was great. Like fell in love, like, Oh my gosh, like this is amazing kind of thing. And then I think maybe three or four months into the relationship, I got pregnant. And 
at the time it was just like a oh no yeah like obviously we can't do this like it's way too soon blah de blah I've got plans yada 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 and it was like okay go for a termination it was like okay cool so went for the first appointment in the UK you get like two appointments went for the first appointment they sort of talk to you give you information and then you go back and you can um take the tablet because it was like before eight weeks something like that um so went for the first appointment fine um then went for the sec it was time to go for the second appointment and at this point I kind of moved oh yeah I have a question <laughs> yeah. I'm losing my hand <laughs> so okay let's just, like when you found out you were pregnant what was that in, in, initial emotion like what what did what were you thinking what were you feeling I wasn't really feeling anything it was just kind of like oh no this can't happen now that's what I was feeling mm. just like no this can't happen now and then I kind of did it outside out of mind kind of thing just carried on as normal didn't tell anybody mm. nobody no friends no family because in my mind it was I was going to terminate the pregnancy and that would be that you know yeah so but at um, this point because you said that you were in rugby and then he was in London so what was the like arrangement yeah by this point I'd essentially moved in like it was such a whirlwind romance if you want to call it that right so I'd moved in because I was spending so much time there and then it turned out I could I could make so much more money as a dental nurse working like as an agency dental nurse in London. So I wasn't tied to any particular practice. So, you know, the agency would call me, say there's a job over here or over there and it was good money. And it was just kind of like, okay, well, we're spending time together. So I might as well, you know, stay here. And that's where it was. We, like I said, it was quick, like really, really quick. Yeah. Um, and then I found out I was pregnant and we were both in agreement. Okay, termination, fine. Went for the first appointment, fine. Then the day came to go for the termination. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Like, I don't know. It was like I wasn't in my body or something. Like, that whole morning, it was just, like, getting ready. Like, felt quite quiet and stuff, but... I don't know. And the funny thing is the the way that his house, his flat was set up, the bathroom was at the end of a corridor and it didn't have any windows and there was no windows around. So when you went in that bathroom and you closed the door, it was pitch black. Like you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I just went in there and just sat in the dark and like just closed the door. And it was like my I couldn't I had no sense of like my body or anything. And then all I could hear was don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, right? And I just sat there, I don't know, it's like, I don't know, I can't describe what happened. Whenever I think about it or talk about it, I'm like, was it Salu? Was it my son saying that to me? Was it the ancestors saying that to me? Was it spirit? Like, I don't know, but something was speaking to me loud and clear. And I just was like, I can't do it. So at this point, I come out of the bathroom and I'm like, I can't go. I can't do this. And, you know, at first his reaction was very much like, oh, no, it's OK. It's understandable. You know, I'm going to be there with you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, really, I can't. I can't do it. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But come on then, let's go. And once you get there, you'll feel. And it's like, 
I can't do it. And then that's when everything just like flipped on a dime and it just became like the craziest day of like him just losing it completely and just like kicking me out of his house. I had no friends or family in London so he kicked me out of the flat that we were sharing you know like packing my stuff and it was to the point where I'd taken like parts and packs because I cook right so I like to have my things when I'm cooking so I can do it well so there was like pots pans clothes like anything it was like in a suitcase it was just like it's me or the or the or the baby make your decision um you know, and then it became quite nasty in terms of like you've done this on purpose, you've you're trying to ruin my life. And he had other he has other children, so he was like, You're gonna ruin my kids' lives, you're not gonna be a good mother, like all this like vitriol was coming my way. And at this point, still nobody else knew. And I think somewhere within all of this, I called my aunt and she I told her, look, I'm pregnant. And I was like, look, this is happening. It's not going well. I told her, don't tell my mom. <laughs> she went and told my mom straight away um, because she was re- aware that I wasn't really in a safe situation, right? And I kind of, it's like, don't stay there. Don't have a conversation. Like, you need to leave. So my mom calls me and she's like, is it true? And I tried to play dumb. And I was like, <laughs> is what true? <laughs> and then she was like, Gombo, just come home. And I was like, okay. All right, I'm coming. Meanwhile, there's still this arguing going. Like, I'm walking down the street with my suitcase and he's behind me, like, but, all of this. like, why? Like, you're out of the house. Like, make it make sense. Anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it was more for, like, you know, you need to go get this abortion kind of thing. And it was just like, I, I can't and I won't. And then it went from horrible to nice, from horrible to nice, to, like, we can have another baby in a year, to then, like, you know, this whole, like, you're ruining my other children's lives. And, like, it was it was so weird. And bear in mind, like, the day before, I was the queen of his, like, I was everything. I was the most beautiful woman. I'm going to take care of you. I love you. Like, all of this. And then the next day, it was like, I was the devil, for sure, right? So I left, came back to rugby, came back to my parents' house, and... um And, you know, I think about a month or two went by and then I got a phone call from him and I think he'd been to like a family reunion or something. And he was really like, I'm so sorry, like family is everything. Like I can't have a child of mine not knowing, like, please come back. Let's talk about it. So me being in that sort of vulnerable kind of state and wanting to make things work, right? This isn't what I wanted. I was like, okay, cool. So then my mom was like, if you go there, um then you're not coming back here which was like her way of being like for somebody to do that to you at that point they're not they're not good people like you don't want to be going back into that environment or that space or that person yeah but me being me I was like no I'm gonna I've got to try for our child and blah 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 so then um I proceeded to go there. It was the biggest mistake of all time. I don't really know why he called me there. He was just like angry and he told me he was like disgusted by the pregnancy and he didn't want to speak to me about it. And, you know, we ended up just arguing and shouting and just, it was just like, why did you call me here? I don't understand. So I left and that was the last time. 
So was this like day one or it like took time? Like how long were you there? The oh, no, I th- I'd gone for like the weekend and I think it was like, yeah, by the end of day one, probably. Yeah, that all happened. So it was just like, okay. So after that, it was like clear to me that no, this isn't going to work. I went back to a beat. Obviously, my mom was like, you're not coming back here. And I like, to be fair, my mom would never have seen me like out on the streets or anything, but I knew where she was coming from and I respected it. So I went to my best friend's and I think I'm trying to remember back. I think I stayed on her couch for like almost a month, but then I was getting bigger and my back was starting to hurt. And, you know, she only had like, she had a two bed place, which was for her and her daughter. So it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, really, what am I going to do? So that was the point where I was like, right, I really need to find a place of my own. But at this point, I have no job. Bear in mind, the Friday I was supposed to go for the appointment, on the Monday, I'd I'd found myself a permanent job in London. I'd I'd got the job and I was meant to be starting. So when I left, um, that was out of the window. Um, And I didn't have an address or anything. So it was just like, okay, I need to figure this out. Like, what am I going to do? So I went and I went to the council in rugby and I was just like, I don't have anywhere to live at this point. Like, this is my situation and this is where I'm at. And I met this amazing woman called Marie. She was just like my angel. And I had to like kind of go through this process of, um, I had to go stay like in a homeless place (laughs) which you can imagine wasn't the best and like no I didn't have any money so yes it was food banks and stuff like this and yeah I could have gone round and you know I'd always been like a sociable person like I had friends it wasn't like it wasn't like I was like alone but I knew like I had to kind of had to go through this right I had to go through this process in order to stand on my own too right so it was food vouchers and free food from the food bank and like free stuff from charities and stuff like that to help me get on my feet eventually I got given a place by the council which you know I moved in like there's no like carpets or anything like that but for me I was just so happy like I was in my space finally and I think I was probably around 20 weeks pregnant around this time so then I was like okay job now I have an address I need to go get a job so I found a job I got a job at like a private dental practice like in in Birmingham so it meant me like taking a train every day but my house wasn't too far from the train station Obviously, I had to hide my pregnancy when I went for the interview because no one's really looking to hire a pregnant woman. So I was able to hide the pregnancy. And by law, you have to let your employee know when you're 25 weeks pregnant, I believe. I believe. So I started the job at 23 weeks pregnant. Two weeks later, I was like, yeah, so I'm pregnant. <laughs> but the, um, the manager of the place, who was also the wife of the dentist that owned the place, she was also pregnant. So it was kind of like there was sort of like an understanding there. And after that, I literally each month was able to get like one room of the flat decorated and, you know, just bit by bit, just build up and get all the things that I needed. And I had money and I'd worked enough like hours in the last year or something to receive maternity pay. And it went on from from that time. But, you know, there was real times of like having to put 
newspapers on the window and I had like literally a camping a little camping stove thing with a little camping oven for like two years probably <laughs> like that's for real but eventually I was able to get myself back on my two feet and I was so happy during that time I was so proud of myself during that time because I think my whole life I'd always kind of like been a little bit wishy-washy and just kind of gone with what people have said or like trying to please them and like do you know what I mean and in that moment I just listened to myself and so I had to go through a whole like load of stuff but it was so worth it and every minute of it felt like a beautiful privilege and I was like grateful for every little thing that happened or every person that was helpful or every you know just every positive situation I really focused on that instead of being like oh gosh I'm on my own like nobody wants me I, I like or when I didn't have a job I was like oh I don't have a job like it was like no I'm gonna get there I'm gonna do this and that's when I really I found like my initiation into motherhood being about following your instinct and listening to yourself and sticking with that, regardless of what anybody else is trying to tell you about you or whatever. And just listening to that inner voice and believing in yourself. Cause when I said no that day, I had no idea what was going to happen. There was no plan. There was no, you know, okay, here's what's going to happen in the next two years. No, I just kind of had to follow my instinct. And it was the first time in my life I think I've ever done that. So when your bundle of joy arrives, mm-hmm. then it was like, okay, what, what happened? So the by this point, me and the biological were definitely not in like contact or anything, but I would like... I said, I'll let you know. And when the baby's two weeks old, feel free to come and see him. And on that visit, he spent two hours. He came empty handed apart from what his sister, who I'd built a relationship with um, before, she'd sent things, um, but he didn't come with anything. He was there for two hours. He took some pictures. And after that point, we made plans to... um, for him to come and see Salu and all the rest of it. Um, And every time there was an excuse, there was something. I think after the third time, I made it clear that um, he wasn't to contact me again. He can contact me when he was ready to be the parent for Salu that Salu deserves. I've seen so many women, not even women, I've seen so many children go through the absent father thing and you know, the the actual sitting at the door with their backpack and their coat waiting and he doesn't come. And I was like, you're already showing me this. Like from the beginning, you know, by then my my eyes were crystal clear. I was like, I'm not, I'm not playing games. Come through as you're supposed to and it's going to be fine. If you don't, don't contact me. Just don't even, don't even try to do that. Okay. So there was no contact for like... I think on his first birthday, he sent some money, £100, and asked for the photos. 
I think the same was done on his second birthday, but that was it. Um, and then I think like in uh, 2020, yeah. I think in 2020 at some point, I then got court documents through the door requesting a, a court order for contact right so bear in mind like I've had the same number the same email (laughs) this whole time there's been no contact there's been no nothing uh but I get the court papers so that was just like oh okay we go through the whole court thing and that actually ended this year obviously I moved to Zambia um and by the end of it he was granted contact but what was said was you need to start with letters because this, you know, Sally's like seven now. Um, and he refused. <laughs> he was like, no, I want all or nothing. So, okay. <laughs> so that was like a year and a half, two years of the back and forth and this, that and the other. For what? Um, so, yeah, that's how that went in terms of with him. But I met my now husband uh, when Salu was 10 months old. And we now have a daughter together as well, who's five years old, Sufi. And we moved to Lusaka uh, just over a year ago. And yeah, we're, we're, we're there for each other. We care for each other. He's always cared for Salu as his own from the start. And I've always been very honest with Salu as well about, you know, all of this on his level. So he's aware that I think there is something special that he knows, like Aaron, my husband, like chose to be his dad and really made that choice, you know? For the way that, you know, things transpired and... I can see a lot of women kind of getting stuck in Mm -hmm. in that romance area. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, what what was your, um, I guess, your your thinking or feeling around, you know, potentially um, inviting another man into your space? And you said he was, what, two months? You know what I mean? Ten months. Ten months, right? Um, Yeah. So... What was that like for you? Because I, I, I can imagine somebody listening who's like, you know, they've just gone through this horrible breakup with this person and they're just like, eh, hashtag men are trash. Yeah, I think for me, what it was, you know, we, we weren't together from like eight weeks pregnant, right? So by the time Salu's been born, what is that like? 18 months later something like that when he's like 10 months old that's like a year and a half has passed and once I knew I was done like after the second time that I'd gone back which must have been around I don't know 15 weeks 18 weeks like I was done like it was there was no I realized I was so acutely aware like I can't get distracted by this individual. He would say the worst things that you can imagine you can say to somebody who's carrying your child. Like, 
the worst. And when I brought up like my ancestors before, I don't know, like I feel like some they were with me, around me, just shielding me. Like none of it penetrated, no, none of it like got into me. I wasn't going to allow what he had done to take away from me being able to feel proud of myself for me being able to feel lovable for me being able to you know live a full life so when my now husband came into the picture I had been so like connected with my intuition that when he came into the picture it was just kind of like I could feel that it was the right thing you know and I trusted myself because I knew I could trust myself like I'd really put that stuff to the test and my like I really learned from that situation as well so it wasn't like a folly type thing like my husband he didn't have any children he never had children when he was coming into our space you know my home at the time there was definitely an energy of like respect you know for me and um you know for what I'd like achieved and what I'd been able to do and like there was it was like no one was even going to make it that far if I wasn't feeling it or if my instincts were like "Mm, this isn't on like yeah I'd really in that time in that process I'd really learned to trust myself and so I was able to do that when it came to my husband coming into our lives, yeah. When did you experience postpartum depression? With my daughter. Okay. What happened? Yeah. With my youngest daughter, funnily enough, right? (laughs) You would think it's the the first one with all that kind of stuff going on, but no, it was with it was with my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? So I think that I completely underestimated what having two children like under the age of two was going to be like it never occurred to me that you know when I'm just walking down the street with my pram and my toddler and I'm thinking about jumping in front of a lorry that's going past but then in the next thought within seconds I'm like okay so what are we gonna have for dinner like I it didn't occur to me at the time (laughs) that that wasn't that's not normal that's not okay and that was the scariest part of it that I just got so kind of used to it and it just kind of crept in in a very subtle way over time that I wasn't connected to the fact that I wasn't feeling good because I was just so focused on trying to do right by everybody else the thing to do is to speak to anyone that you can about it, whether it's a family member or a friend or you go online or a helpline or a doula or a therapist. Speak to someone about it because actually it can be dealt with so really quickly, really easily. It can be done within three to four months it's it's your body you're crying out because you need help and the longer you ignore it it's like the worse it gets for you and 
you shouldn't, nobody should have to feel that way, especially when they're taking care of little ones. Tell us about the work that you're doing now. Um, mm. I don't think uh, many people are familiar with the, the term um, doula, you know, mm. so just tell us about what you're doing and, and why um, you found yourself in this space. Yeah. So what I do now is I work as a postpartum doula. Um, I, I trained as an antenatal birth and postpartum doula when I did my training, but I've decided to focus on the postpartum side um, for various different reasons. But I feel like because of my ex- the experience that I had during um, the postpartum depression that I had with my second child, I can I really have like a really special kind of insight and I can also it's like I'm so passionate about helping mothers avoid that pain because it's not it's avoidable and completely unnecessary trust me so what I do as a postpartum doula is I provide like informational um so you know that can just be like you might just want information on a pelvic care doctor or something or somewhere you can get your back seen to or even just like how to do simple things with a newborn so I give informational support in that way in in many different aspects either in terms of you taking care of your body or taking care of the baby I do that I also provide like practical support in the sense of like if you're home and you need like errands running or you need like uh, laundry doing or you need things picking up for you or you need help with your older, like with a toddler or an older child, something like that, I can provide practical support in that way. I also provide nutritional support. So that can mean me literally making food for you, specifically um to aid in like your healing or to aid in uh, increasing your breast milk supply, stuff like that. Or I can give you recipes and stuff like that. Um, I also do breastfeeding support. um, And I just get to be like a non-judgmental ear for you to speak to that has no agenda and you'd be surprised how few of us actually have that in our lives and when you're going through motherhood and you're trying to find your way you know and sure you might take a few things off mom or auntie or grandma but you're still trying to find your way sometimes people can be quite imposing in terms of in terms of telling you how they think you should be doing it and they can also be quite judgmental when you make mistakes, but it's like you've never been a mum before, right? You've never been the mum of a newborn before. You've never been the mum of a one-year-old before, a two-year-old, and it keeps going on, right, as, as it goes, and you're finding your way. And I always think about, like, the example of when a, a child is learning how to walk, and they fall over so many times, And it's like the mistakes are part of the process and it's how you find your way. It's how you maneuver. You're not, motherhood doesn't need to have this perfection standard that seems to be 
um, imposed on us for some reason. So I get to kind of be your sounding board for ideas that you're having or things that you want to do. And I, I listen, I can make suggestions if you want. I, I don't most of the time, most of the time people can just talk to me and then they, they figure it out literally just by speaking, but having somebody there who's really listening and not waiting to chime in and tell you what they think you should do based on what they did, which is kind of irrelevant because you're not them and the child they had isn't your child. So, (laughs) Um, and the other side as well is like the, the sort of like the sad emotions, the negative emotions, like being able to talk about your birthing experience, you know, Um, things like that. And Mm -hmm. then I also, um do postpartum sanctuary planning sessions as well so what that means is before the baby comes we will sit together for two to three hours and go through a whole plethora of questions that are best answered when you're not like bleeding and raw and haven't had sleep and it's questions to do with like how will you be nourished who can you speak to um you know how how can you connect with yourself how can you connect with other people what happens if you're unwell and who gets called upon what happens in your relationship like so many questions that you're just going to be able to I you know I'll type it all up for you and you'll have a document and you can be like okay or your partner can look at it and be like uh, okay, right, it says here, if this, 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 and this is happening, I need to call da 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 because I'm not equipped to help her with this, but she does need support. And, you know, it means something isn't isn't going right. We cover the five universal postpartum needs and how they can be, how we can work with you and your life, because not everybody, you know, everybody's different. There's different things going on. There's different amounts of children, partners, no partners, partners working away, this, that, and the other. So we sit down and figure out how we can best work with what you have for you to really have a a postpartum where you come out healthy and thriving. And it's like we use our imagination and we don't say, well, I'm not some like rich celebrity, so I'm not going to be able to fully rest or heal or whatever. It's like we'll find we can find a way to do it. I've seen women be so, um, I've forgotten what the word is, but, you know, they'll come up with the goods, right, for, like, parties or Christmas or weddings, right? I've seen it. And then as soon as it comes to postpartum, it's like all the the inspiration or whatever is gone because we're not raised or we haven't been taught to treat that time as important and our health and our well-being and our recovery from birth as important and yeah it really is and so yeah that's what I do (laughs) so how do people find out about you where can they learn more about what you're doing is there anything in particular that we can support you with let us know uh you can find me on instagram and facebook and that is at the Afro doula. So the A-F-R-O-D-O-U-L-A. My website is www.afro-deity, which is spelled D-E-I-T-Y, 
com. Also started doing the Monday brunch, which is a meetup twice a month on Mondays at Aroma by Orchard at Kamloops Mall. Um, it's in a beautiful setting. Uh, we have a mini workshop, beautiful brunch food. At our next event, which will be on the 12th of December, we also have Finders Keepers joining us with their with her pop-up thrift stall. So we try and make it fun, interesting, engaging. Um, it's really like a mother and baby group where the mum is the focus, but you still get to come with your children, have a good time, meet other mums, um, enjoy companionship. And so, yeah, if you're interested in coming to that, get in touch with me online because you do need to revert, you do need to reserve your space. Um, but the first one was last week and it was amazing. It was so beautiful. So yeah, I'd love to welcome any mamas to the next one. Yay, awesome. Well, you know what? Thank you so, so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And I know that there's going to be, um, great reviews from this. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that, you know, we just don't talk about, hey? Um, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. it's, it's important to, you know, bring it to people's awareness. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mothers are the absolute linchpins of society. They deserve support. Um, and also I want to point out, I also do virtual support as well. So you don't just have to be in Lusaka. We can do Zoom calls and whatnot as well. So don't let distance um hold you back if you need anything you can reach out all right thank you chulu had a great time (laughs) i called it right this season this season oh i am here for all of the goodies please i beg i feel like ngombo said everything so beautifully i just want to reiterate one point it is the first time that you are a single it is the first time that you are a mother it is the first time you are a mother of two kids. It is the first time you are a mother of three kids and so on. Every stage of your life is a first. So just like when you were a baby, you will fall, you will lose balance, maybe even get hurt from time to time, but keep going. You will get stronger and eventually walk in confidence. To my single mothers, I see you. I am you. Even though you may not have a family portrait that looks like the traditional picture, I guarantee that you can design the support structure that you need to live an amazingly beautiful life. If you are not okay, reach out to somebody. You don't have to do it alone. I love you, honey. 
Please give Ngombo her roses. Find her on Instagram at the Afro Doula. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast and let her know what you learned. Even if this episode was a little longer, the conversation with Ngombo was easily one hour, 30 minutes. We go in depth about her experience with postpartum depression and how she rose out of it. It's really an inspirational story. As an Africana woman visionary, you get exclusive access to the full interview. Head over to AfricanaWoman.com or email us at AfricanaWoman at gmail.com to become a visionary. In March... I am partnering with so many amazing women. So the first project is called, so the first thing that I'm doing is under Project You. We are hosting an event in Lusaka in honor of International Women's Day. It is going to be amazing. It is called Embracing the Power of You. And the speaker lineup is just mind-blowing. If you're in Lusaka, I invite you to attend. Go to my socials for more information. Um, I have also been invited to teach masterclasses for Phenomenal Women Global about branding and marketing your business. If you're interested in joining their full entrepreneurship course, check out my socials for more information. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. My playground is Instagram. Find me at Chulu by Design. The best way to support the podcast is to rate and review it on your podcast app. This tells the algorithm to share it with many more of our African sisters. Until next week, love y'all. <laughs> this podcast was produced and edited by Africana Women. Africana Women.